I know what it was. They peeked at my notes and saw that I was preaching on Jonah and the whale. <laughs> they wanted to stay and hear that story one more time. Well, I am preaching on uh, not so much the whale, but I am preaching on Jonah. And it's hard to talk about Jonah without talking about the whale. So take your Bible, if you will, and turn to the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah in the Old Testament. You know, we did finish up our study uh, on the life of David, and then we kind of added a little uh, final bonus on the end of that, and we took up Psalm 23, which was David's most famous psalm, and we uh, examined the names of God in that psalm last Sunday. And I wanted to take the remainder of this year as we get closer to Christmas, to December, and then Thanksgiving in November, and uh, just preach a series of messages that I'm going to call The Bible That Jesus Read. And uh, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to figure out that the Bible that Jesus read is the Old Testament. And I'm just going to take uh, some well-known stories from the Old Testament and maybe some lesser well-known stories. And, and over the next several Sundays as we close out 2019, we're going to take uh, just a look at some of the stories from the Bible that Jesus read. And we're going to take one this morning that most of you should be familiar with if you've ever been to Sunday school. And that is, of course, we're going to take a journey with Jonah. Now, I want to tell you a few things about Jonah. Jonah is the only prophet in the Old Testament. It is the only uh, prophet. You know, the prophets in the Old Testament, by the way, they uh, scholars and, and Bible uh, teachers divide them up into two categories, the major prophets and the minor prophets. And that just really means the major prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, the big prophetic books in the Old Testament. And then you've got what they call the minor prophets like Jonah and Amos and Obadiah and, and uh, Habakkuk, you know, so, some of these uh, smaller books uh, that are prophetic books doesn't mean they were less important. They just have the smaller books. Well, all of the prophetic books in the Old Testament are about the message that the prophet brought. If you take and you open up any of those uh, books in the Old Testament, what you will find in those books is a description of the message. You know, Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. And all of Jeremiah is about Jeremiah's prophecy. Isaiah is all about his prophecy. Every, every book in the Old Testament is about the prophecy, except Jonah. There's hardly anything in the book of Jonah about his prophecy or his message. We know his message, but there's very little description. The, the book of Jonah is the only book of the prophets that is about the prophet and not the prophet's message. And there's a very good reason for that, and we're going to find that out this morning. Also, just to put that in context, when was Jonah? When did Jonah live? We just finished David. David, so you can put this in perspective, David lived about 1000 B.C. About 1000 B.C. is when David lived and, and he reigned a thousand years before Christ. Well, Jonah, he lived about 760, sometime in the uh, 750, 60 B.C. is when probably Jonah was written. So we're talking about 250 years after King David approximately is when we come to the prophet Jonah. Now I'll give you a little bit of, of Bible history here and then we'll jump right into Jonah. But just so you'll kind of get a picture, remember you had David and God blessed David and he had a great kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. And then David had a son, Solomon, and the kingdom got even bigger. And then David had a grandson, Rehoboam, 
You know, I have trouble if it's over two syllables, so bear with me. I say I'm good when I'm practicing, but I, y- y'all are mighty scary when I get up here and you mess up my pronunciation. But Roavim, I believe, that was David's grandson, but he was the last king over the United Kingdom of Israel. And when he came along, there was a split in the kingdom, and the kingdom split into two parts. And, and the southern kingdom was the kingdom of Judah, and the line of David continued to reign over. There were two tribes who, who were in that kingdom. But the northern kingdom was called Israel. And a different kingly line came up over that northern kingdom. They were the ten northern tribes. And sometimes you've heard referred to as the lost tribes. They're talking about those ten northern tribes because Assyria conquered them in around 730 or so uh, B.C., and they took them off into captivity, and they just all kind of got lost out there uh, in the world. But uh, they're called the ten lost tribes, the northern tribes. Well, Jonah was in the kingdom of Israel. He was in those ten northern tribes. And something else about Jonah, we find that Jesus mentioned Jonah. If you'll remember over in Matthew chapter 12, uh, there in that day, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they kept telling Jesus, if you're really the Son of God, then show us a sign. Give us a sign. Perform a miracle. Prove to us that you are the Son of God. And Jesus said this in Matthew 12, verse 39. He says, A evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And there will be no sign given to that generation, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. Now one thing we're going to find out this morning about Jonah, like all of God's servants, he was a flawed prophet. He was not a perfect man. He was a very flawed prophet. And Jesus said, listen, here's a sign. You want a sign? Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The Son of Man, speaking of himself, he said that was a foreshadow. Remember how I told you everything in the Old Testament is shadowing and and pointing to something different. And that's Jonah. You think about Jonah in the belly of the whale. Jesus himself interpreted that for us. And Jesus said, that is a picture of what is going to happen to me. I'm going to be in the belly of the earth. In other words, I'm going to be buried. I'm going to die and I'm going to be buried. And I'm going to be in the the belly of the earth three days and three nights. And then I'm going to come back out just as Jonah came forth out of that whale. So Jesus gave an example. And Jesus also said... You know, there's a principle in Scripture we don't have time to get into this morning, but that principle is uh, that the more you know, the more you are accountable for, from God's point of view. The more you know, the more you are accountable for. And Jesus said, Nineveh, in the day of judgment, they're going to be called to testify against you in the day of judgment because when they heard that that flawed preacher Jonah with all his problems get up and preach to them they repented they repented of their sin and they turned to God but yet there's one much greater than Jonah Jesus speaking of himself the son of God who is flawless and perfect I'm preaching to you and you will not repent he said so in the day of judgment Nineveh who had very 
little knowledge compared to you. They repented with just that little bit of knowledge. And you refused to repent. So Jesus gave a wonderful characterization, if you will, of Jonah. But let's jump into the book of Jonah now this morning in Jonah chapter 1. And we're going to take a journey with Jonah and find out what we can learn from this flawed prophet. Look, if you will, in Jonah chapter 1, verse number 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The first thing we notice about Jonah is that God issues a call to Jonah. He issues a call to Jonah. He sends out a message and a word. And he says, Jonah, I want you to go and preach. He was already a prophet. That's what he did. That was his... His, his occupation, if you will. And he says, I've got a job for you. I want you to go down to Tarshish. I'm sorry, I want you to go down to Nineveh. And I want you to preach to that wicked city. I, want, I have a message for them. Well, Jonah heard that word, but he did not like that word. Has God ever spoken to you? Have you ever read something in the Bible that convicted you and you didn't like it? Have you ever heard a sermon that convicted you and you didn't like it? You ever heard uh, a song that convicted you and you didn't like it? You know what uh, I've done before? I'll go ahead and confess it. I just don't read that anymore. I don't like to listen to that preacher. I don't listen to that song. That's human nature. That bothers me. I'm going to remove myself from its presence. I don't like that discomfort. I don't like... Uh, to be confronted, if you will. I don't like what that is telling me. I don't like that uncomfortable feeling. So my natural reaction is to stop listening, get away from it. Well, God's Word came to Jonah. And what did Jonah do? Jonah says, you know, I'd, Nineveh is this way, I'm going the other way. I am not going to do what God is telling me to do. And, you know, I've, I've shared this before when I preached through Jonah, but uh, to me it's very interesting that the Bible says when he, flew, when, he fle- when he fled from the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa. Now, I know that's just the explanation of going down, but to me it still uh, signifies, listen, anytime you're running away from God, you're headed in the wrong direction. He went down. He didn't go up. He went down to Joppa, and he paid the fare. There's an- another Something that I'll just pick up from there. You're going in the wrong direction when you're running from God and also you're costing yourself something. I've shared this little phrase before, but you know, when we disobey the Lord, when we sin, when we uh, do not listen to God's command, it is always going to take us further than we want to go and cost us more than we can afford to pay and keep us longer than we want to stay. So Jonah's running from God and he's going in the wrong direction. He's going down. He's having to pay the fare. It's costing him something to go against God's Word. And the Bible says he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You know, they say you can't run from God, but you really can. You can temporarily. You know, if, if church bothers you, you can quit coming to church. And that works for a while. You don't have to listen to the preacher. You don't have to listen to the songs. You don't have to answer folks. You can, you can remove yourself. You can not listen to anything that has to do with, with Christianity. You can not read your Bible. You can run from God. It works for a while. It worked for Jonah for a while. For a while he ran. 
God didn't speak to him. God didn't wake him up at night. We're going to see that Jonah was felt pretty comfortable running from God. We're going to see here in just a moment. He's running from God and, and it works for a while. He begins to uh, get away from God. He doesn't have to listen uh, to God's voice any longer or so he thinks. He gets on a ship. The Bible says, number four. Now you know the most important word in the Bible, according to William Pope, right? Is the little three-letter word, but. Jonah's running from God. It's working. He doesn't have to live. God's not bothering him. He's not. He says, man, I'm so glad I don't have to go to Nineveh. I hate those people. I don't like the Ninevites. I've never liked the Ninevites. The unmitigated gall for God to tell me to go preach to the Ninevites. He, he, God knows I don't like those people. I mean, I'll be glad to go preach to Jerusalem. I'll be glad to go anywhere and preach, but I'm not going there. Because I don't like those folks. So he, he has escaped. He's running from God. Everything's going fine. But. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea. By the way, if you count them, now there may be more, but I know that there are at least ten miracles in the book of Jonah. Now most folks think about the whale. You know, people, you know, they get choked on the whale. No, no pun intended, but anyway. You, you know, the, 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 they think about the whale and, and they get all kind of stumbled up about, I just don't know a fish. They had not found a fish that can swallow a man. Let me just go ahead and, and kill the elephant in the room or address the elephant in the room. Listen. We're talking about God. We're talking about the one, if you believe the Bible, who created the universe. Well, forget the universe. He created your eyeball. Think about that for a moment. He created your brain. He created your heart. He created the clouds in the air. I mean, finding a fish and re-altering... I mean, the one who made the innards of a fish, I'm sure he can rearrange it a little bit if he needs to to have it hold down a little profit for a while. So I, I, that doesn't bother me. That, that, I mean, if God made the world, surely He'll find a fish that can swallow a man. But if you look at the book of Jonah, it's not just the fish swallowing Jonah. There, there are at least ten miracles. Ten things where God supernaturally intervenes to make something happen. And, and here's the first one. He says that God sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea. I mean, this wasn't a normal storm. The Bible says God sent this storm. God sent the wind. And He sent the tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. Now, I love the fact that Jonah is running away from God, but God is pursuing. God is pursuing. You know, I've said this before and it always gets me in trouble. Uh, but... Um, you know, my wife, bless her heart, and a lot of you ladies, y'all watch, y'all love, you know, these romance uh, shows that come on, these love stories that come on. And I declare in every one of them when uh, Lois made me watch one with her, uh, it always happens. The same thing happens. The woman, she says, I'm leaving. I'm going away. You know what happens next, right? He goes after her. He pursues her. You know, I, I, I tell you, uh, guys, we need to learn something from, from that. You know, when she walks out the door, you're supposed to go after her, you know, and pursue her. And say, she says she's leaving, say, well, let me pack my stuff. I'm going to, and I'll just go with you. So, you know, why is that in those love, kind of those romance stories that seems to be a recurring theme is, is the man goes out after the woman. 
Because really, that is a sign that, listen, I really, really love you. And, and I'm not just, it's not that easy. You can't get rid of me that easy. I'm going, to, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to go in search of you. I'm going after you. Well, my friend, you know, the Bible, if it's nothing else, it is a love story. It is God's pursuit of man. Man often is rejecting God and saying, God, I, I don't want you. I don't love you. I don't want to be around you. I'm leaving you. And for a while, God, God lets us go our way. But then God comes after us. He's pursuing us. And here God is pursuing Jonah. Jonah's saying, I don't like what God has for me to do. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. And the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship, had lain down, and was fast asleep. Now that's an amazing passage. There are two times in the Bible that we find a man asleep in a storm. And everybody's so amazed that he's asleep. Remember the other person in the Bible? Should, should come out to you. It's in the New Testament. Remember when they were crossing the Sea of Galilee and the storm came up? And the disciples were afraid and they said, we're going to sink, we're going to sink. And they said, well, where's the master? And they said, he's asleep. And you know the, the, the famous passage, you know, the disciples go down and say, Master, and I love the way the old King James is just kind of stuck in my mind. Master, carest thou not that we perish? Don't you care that we're dying? Wake up, wake up. And here on the opposite end of the spectrum is Jonah who's not in God's will. He's running from God, but they're in a big storm and everybody's scared to death. But Jonah, Jonah is asleep in the bottom of the boat. How in the world could that be? Well, there are two people that have peace in the midst of a storm. Let let me just present this to you, I believe. There's someone that Jesus represents that has the peace of God. But there's someone else that Jonah represents And Jonah represents the person who's grown cold to the things of God. The person who's decided, I'm turning my back on God. I mean, there are people that do terrible, terrible things and sleep really good at night. It seems they don't have a conscience. The Bible talks about their conscience being seared with a hot iron. I mean, they do things that, that would bother almost anyone, but it doesn't bother them. They seemingly have no conscience. There are very wicked and evil people in this world who seemingly have great peace. They're not bothered by anything. Jonah represents them. You can have peace if you simply turn God off. And that's what Jonah, that's what Jonah did. He turned God off. Like going down the radio station. I don't like, I don't like that song. He turned his radio off. He said, I don't, I'm not going to listen to God any longer. And Jonah represents those who have grown cold and deaf to the things of God. You know, that that passage in the Bible, especially in the book of Revelation, you know, when God is speaking to the seven churches, you know how that passage says, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Have you ever read that and thought, that just must be some kind of poetic language. He that, I mean, everybody's got an ear. He that has an ear, let, no, everybody doesn't have an ear. Some people are like Jonah. They've turned their ear off. And they've fallen asleep in the bottom of the boat. And they're, on, they're running from God. And when the Bible says, He that has an ear, let him hear. 
He said, if you haven't turned God off, if you are still tender to the things of God, hear me. Listen, why does the Bible say, seek the Lord while He may be found? I mean, is God going to go on a trip somewhere? Is He going to get lost? I mean, why does it say, seek the Lord while He may be found? God is always, everywhere. He is omnipresent, but what it means is seek Him while you may find Him. Seek Him while you yet have a desire to find Him. Seek Him before you lose the desire to find Him. When you no longer care and you've turned God off. That was Jonah. Jonah was asleep at the bottom of the boat. He had reached the point of, I don't care. I don't care. Jesus was at peace because He was at peace. He was the Prince of Peace. But Jonah was at peace because he simply didn't care anymore. Well, what happened? The captain came to him and said, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. You know, this captain, I like the captain. He's my kind of man. I mean, he's the kind of guy that if he was a stockbroker, he'd have a little bit of every stock. I mean, he's not going to go bankrupt. He might lose on this one, but he says, listen, every man's praying to his God. You know, this was a sailing boat. No doubt had people from many nationalities on it. He says, I've told everybody, whoever your God is, pray. We're going to cast a wide net. Surely there's one God out there somewhere that can help us. And so there's, there's Jonah in the belly of the, the, the boat. And he says, man, get up. We need everybody. Don't you have a God? How about praying to your God? We need some help here. Maybe your God can help us. We're all going to die here. Well, verse 7. Now, evidently, Jonah still hadn't said anything. He says, come, let us cast lots. By the way, here's another miracle that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. Now, that's something they did very frequently in, in, in olden times. They would have some type of game of chance. They, they would cast a lot, like roll a dice, and, and whoever it, it fell upon, that would mean, okay, this is, this is the guy that's the, the troublemaker. You know, th this is the guy that's causing the problem. And the Bible says they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. That's a miracle. God determined, Jonah, he was still flying under the radar. He, had, he, he still hadn't told anybody what the deal was. He knows he's running from God. But they, they throw their dice, they cast their lots, and the God causes the lots to fall on Jonah. And they say, please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country and what people are you? And he said, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. By the way, remember last Sunday's... Uh, Sermon, remember how I said when you see L-O-R-D in all caps, it's talking about that Hebrew name for God. And if you've got a King James or a New King James or maybe other translations, you'll notice that L-O-R-D is all caps. That's the translator telling you that that's, that wasn't really the word Lord. That's just what they put it in English. That was that compound, was that Hebrew name that's really unpronounceable. And, and they put it Lord. But he says, I worship the Lord. I worship Yahweh, Jehovah. I worship the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And the men were exceedingly afraid and said, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more temptuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, I tell you, I like the captain. He really was a man of integrity. I mean, Jonah just told him, Hey, just throw me overboard. It, it's my fault. But the captain resists. The Bible says, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not. 
For the sea continued to grow more temptuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. And the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. There Jonah is finally confronted. He was at peace. I mean, Jonah, I don't think, would have wakened if the ship would have sunk. It didn't matter to Jonah. But aren't you glad that God doesn't always let us alone even when we ask Him to? You know, some of you no doubt have had children and do have children. Or maybe... Uh, you've got another loved one, a brother or sister, and, and uh, you know that they're maybe doing some things they don't need to be doing or in a situation they don't need to be in. And, and you go out and you try to help them and you reach out to them and say, let me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone. But you won't leave them alone. You keep after them. And you keep getting in their business. And you keep going and, and trying to help them. And aren't you glad God is like that? That God is not easily deterred and He sent these men to confront Jonah to wake him up out of his slumber and out of his sleep. And they woke him up. And I think about all the times in Scripture where, where somebody confronts a person. I think you really you go all the way back to Genesis. Remember when Cain slew Abel? There's that famous passage before God even had a prophet. It was God doing His own work. He hadn't even sent any prophets out. And what did He do? He came to Cain. Remember what He said? He said, where's your brother? Don't you hate it? You know, your parents used to be the worst at this. To ask you a question you know they know the answer to. I mean, they're just, they're just wanting you to say it. You know they know. But they want you to say it. And God comes to Cain and says, Where's your brother? You know the famous response from Cain. How many times have you had this attitude? Am I my brother's keeper? I don't know. Am I in charge of him? You know, that's sometimes one of our defenses. You know, when we get called on something, it's sarcasm, right? You know, we try to deflect. It's not my job. I'm not really, he's a grown man. He, he takes care of himself. And you know, the Lord confronted Cain. He says, but yeah, but your brother's blood. What have you done? His blood is crying out to me from the ground. You, you've slain him. You've killed him. God confronted uh, Cain, and of course all through Scripture, over and over again, God sends someone, He sent Moses to confront Pharaoh and, Sam, Pharaoh and Samuel to confront Saul and Nathan to confront David and, and Daniel to confront Nebuchadnezzar and John the Baptist to confront Herod and Jesus before the scribes and the Pharisees, Paul to confront Agrippa. Over and over in Scripture we see men of God sent by God to confront a person who is disobeying the Lord. And my friend, God will send someone to confront you. He will send someone to confront me if we, like a Jonah, are running from him and we've gone into the belly of the ship and we're trying to close our ears and close our eyes. We don't want to be bothered. God loves us and He will not let us be. He is in search of us. He is, he is like the shepherd, the good shepherd who is going in search of the lost sheep. Like the parable that Jesus gave. The woman, you know, the shepherd who lost that one lamb and he left the 99 in the fold and he went in search of the one that he had lost. And Jonah was a lost sheep and the great shepherd was in search of Jonah. And he sent Jonah, he sent someone to confront Jonah. They confronted him. And now Jonah is thrown into the ocean. No doubt he thinks that he's going to die. 
But God's judgment is so often mixed with His mercy and compassion. And His mercy and compassion sends a great fish, the Bible says, that is prepared to swallow up Jonah. And verse 17, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And now we see Jonah in chapter 2 where Jonah begins uh, to cry out to God. He begins to seek the Lord in the belly of the fish. There's, there's really a song. It's like a song that Jonah cries out to God. And, and in verse chapter 2, verse number 1, notice he says, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and He answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. There's a wonderful picture, just like Psalm 51 is a wonderful picture of repentance when David repented of his sin with Bathsheba. Also, Jonah chapter 2 is also a place where we can go and we can learn how to get right back with God when we've gone away from God. And the first thing that Jonah does is he, he, he calls out to God. He cries out to God. He's admitted his sin to the fellow people on the boat. He's, he's, he's accepted what he did. And now he says, I, I cry out to God. And he seeks God. There in verse 4 he says, Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. You know how you seek God? The first thing you do is you simply begin to turn your heart toward Him. You know, we used to sing a song when I was growing up. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Now, you can't see Jesus with your physical eyes. It's a different set of eyes that you have to turn toward Him. It's the eyes of your heart. The eyes of your spirit. And you make a conscious decision that, Lord, I'm going to look toward You. I'm going to stop looking over here where I'm trying to find my peace. I'm going to stop looking over here where I'm trying to find contentment and purpose. And I'm going to start looking to you inwardly. I'm going to begin to look to you. And I'm going to begin to seek you for direction and you for my peace and you for the purpose of my life. I'm going to turn my eyes toward you. That's what Jonah said in the belly of that fish. He said, I will turn again. I will look again toward your holy temple. And then... Notice in verse number 7, he remembered God. He says, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. You know, years ago when I first came here as pastor, I think it was the first year I was here, 05 or 06, we hosted a, a group of young people who were, had been down at uh, Panama City, I think, on a mission trip. And, and the, a hurricane came in and, and, and we let them stay in the gym. They were camped all over here in the gym and... and for about a week and uh, it was a great blessing to be able to do that but we were getting ready to start a WANA we had just determined that we were going to start a WANA at the church that fall but we had not started it yet but we had some signs up that said you know WANA register etc etc and I'll never forget uh, one of the young people uh, came up to me and says are, are y'all doing a WANA I said well yeah we're, we're going to do it we're about to start it he said boy I tell you if it had not been for a WANA I don't know where I'd be today. He said, you know, when I was a little boy, he said, I went to Awana and, and I memorized all those Bible verses. You know, I had to memorize them and, and, and go through all those. If you know how Awana, you memorize Scripture and you go through different things. He said, well, then as I got older, I, I kind of got away. I quit going to church. People used to pick me up and carry me, and then I quit going. And, and he said, I got into all kind of trouble. I got into drugs and just, just living a wild life. And he said, I can remember being in places... And just being just in a terrible spot and a Bible verse had come to my mind that I had learned in a while. 
And I'd think about that Bible verse. He said, and you know, I, so I, sometimes I just, oh, I don't want to think about that right now. But I couldn't really quit thinking about it. You know, th- then some other time I'd be, some, I'd even be high. And you know, a Bible verse had come to my mind. And it kept, it was like it was drawing me back. And, and I think about Jonah where he says, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. I remembered the Lord. That, that's a great, a, a great benefit. You that work with children in 252 and in Awana and, and anytime you're able to pour something into a child's you don't mind and into a child's heart. You don't know where that child's going to be. You don't know where that child's going to go, what they're going to face, but what you've given them that they will always have. You've given them the Word of God. You've given them the, the love of God and the love of Jesus that wherever they go, whatever trial they face, it will be there. And perhaps they will reach into it when their soul is fainting within them. They will think about that passage. They will think about that verse and it will come to them. So Jonah was in the belly of the fish and he remembered. He remembered the Lord. If you can remember God, you haven't gone too far. Some folks say, well, I've gone too far. Listen, when you've gone too far, you're not worried about whether you've gone too far or not. You don't care anymore. It looked like Jonah had gone too far. He'd reached a point of not caring, but even in his state, God reached down and stirred him again. You know, like one of the old hymns, I can't remember the name of the hymn, but one of the verses says, you know, that the chords which were silent will vibrate once more. How many of us have had the chords of our spiritual heart that used to vibrate with love for Jesus, but for whatever reason, they've grown cold. They no longer vibrate with praise or with prayer. But the Spirit of God can take and, and run His fingers across those strings and let those strings vibrate again. Vibrate with passion for Jesus, with love for God and with praise to Him. Such it was with Jonah. He had grown cold, but it took the belly of a fish to wake him up. But in that belly of that fish, he woke up. And he says, I remember the Lord. And then notice in verse 9, he says, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. He made a vow there, is obedience. It wasn't enough just to have some emotion vibrate. That emotion caused him to obey. He says, I'm going to pay. Well, I'm a prophet. I told God I was going to obey, and that's what I'm going to do. And he says, I'm going to pay what I have vowed. And notice there in verse number 10, So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. You talk about a blessing in disguise. How many of you want to be vomited up by a fish? Well, hey, Noah. That's why you got a name like Noah, son. You're special. I have to confess, I don't want to be vomited by a fish unless I'm in his belly. Then I'll take, I'll take being vomited any time. I'll take that. I want out of that belly. If it means he has to throw me up, then so be it. I want to get out of that belly. And so God spoke to, to the fish and it vomited him up. It threw him up onto dry ground. And I think these are the most wonderful words in all of the book of Jonah. Perhaps in all of Scripture. I know Brother Robert Wigley uh, used to preach a lot, and, and uh, I always love Brother Robert and hear his messages, but I can remember many years ago I heard him preach a sermon that he titled, The God of the Second Chance. And no doubt there's been other preachers who preached that sermon, but one of the examples he used was the example of Noah. Of course, he used Samson and a few others, but the example... I'm sorry, the, Noah, got you on my mind. The example of Jonah. He used the example of Jonah in this wonderful passage right here. And the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. 
Aren't you glad God is the God of the second chance? As far as Jonah was concerned, he was through with God. He was through with God. He ran away from Him. He thought He was going to get away from Him, but then God pursued Him. And then when He said, okay, God, you got me. Y'all just throw me overboard. He still figured He was through with God. He was just going to die. But He certainly wasn't going to go to Nineveh. At least He got out of that. God's going to kill me. But at least I didn't have to go preach to those sorry Ninevites. I, 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 you know, I, I really got the last laugh on God on that one. But God still wasn't through with him. Caused the fish to swallow him. He wasn't going to get away with it, with it that easy. Even death, God wasn't going to let him take the easy way out. Finally the fish threw him up. And now God said, let's start over again, Jonah. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Go to Nineveh that great city, and preach it, the message that I tell you. Well, I love verse 3. Jonah chose a different path. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. And he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. And the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. And then in that next passage, he commands that everyone repent. And verse 10 says, And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that He had said He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. And now, as we close, we get to Jonah's real problem. His real problem was not that he was lazy and just didn't want to go to Nineveh. We find his real problem in chapter 4, verse 1. I mean, Jonah has had what we might call a Billy Graham crusade, you know, in the olden days. He's went to Nineveh, had a crusade, and everybody's got saved. The whole, every the politicians have gotten saved. You know that was another miracle that occurred. <laughs> I'm sorry, we got so many politicians in here, I had to throw that one in there. Even the politicians. Well, you know it would have been a real miracle if the preachers would have gotten saved. I had to throw myself in there because sometimes they're the last ones to see. But anyway... Jonah got there and the king, from the king right on down, everybody came to know the Lord. And you'd think Jonah would be ecstatic. My goodness, what a wonderful success. But we find the real problem. And it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord and says, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? And Jonah went out of the city. And sat on the east side of the city, and there he made himself a shelter, and sat under it in the shade, till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plan, and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant, but as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. And so it damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared an east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. And he wished death for himself, and he said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And, he, and Jonah said, It is right for me to be angry, even to death. 
And the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock? You ever watched a movie, and you got to the end of it, and you said, that's not the end. No, that can't be the end. You ever read a book and said, where's the rest of it? There's no way it ends like that. That's the book of Jonah. You know, most folks quit after Jonah preaches, and, but there's, there's that last part of Jonah that kind of leaves you hanging. It really it seems to not come to a firm conclusion. Well, well, you know, you know what happened? Did, did Jonah ever get straight? You remember how David had murdered a man and stole his wife? Well, first he stole his wife, then he murdered him. Let's get it straight. He stole his wife first, then he murdered him. David did that, and David seemingly was not bothered at all until Nathan came and told him a little story about a little lamb and a rich man and a poor man. The poor man had a pet lamb, and the rich man took the poor man's lamb and killed it, fed it to his guest. And David got so angry. He was going to have a man executed for slaughtering his neighbor's lamb when he evidently was sleeping fine every night, having sent a man to his death, murdered a man by proxy, and committed adultery with that man's wife. Here's Jonah. Jonah, there was a great city, sinners though they were, Nineveh, but yet human beings. And God sent Jonah to preach mercy God's grace and God's mercy to that people that they might avoid God's judgment. And he preached that after God had to take him the long way around through the belly of the fish. And when God extended His mercy, Jonah got angry because he wanted judgment. So God gave him a little parable like He sent Nathan to David and tell him about the little lamb. He caused a little plant to grow up. And You ever got under the shade of a tree? You know, we're so spoiled we have air conditioning today, right? We have, think about the old days when you didn't have air conditioning. It was 100 degrees. I mean, that's why people planted shade trees everywhere. You know, nothing more uh, relaxing than to have something over your head and to be able to sit under that shade and a little bit of wind blow and, and cool off. And here's Jonah. He's sitting out there in the desert. A little bush grows up and he sits under that bush. He's like, man, this feels good. Whew. Feels good. Well, during the night, a worm comes up. The, the bush wilts and Jonah gets almost has heat stroke the next day, and he gets very upset, very angry. And God asked him, he didn't answer why did he get angry about Nineveh, but when God asked him, why are you angry, he answered, he said, yeah, it is right for me to be angry about the bush. I'm very angry about my bush that, that died. And, and God says, well, you didn't plant that bush, did you? You didn't water it. You didn't tend to it. It just came up by itself. And now it's gone by itself. And you're so upset about a bush, but this great city of people, you don't care about it all. That was Jonah's real problem. You see, Jonah, if you study the time that he lived in, he came out of a time where people, they worship God outwardly. But the time that he lived in in Israel, the religion of people had grown cold. And people really didn't love God from their heart. They just went to church or went to synagogue and, and pretended. Jonah had a lot of hate in his heart. He didn't truly love God. So we've took a journey with Jonah, and I'm going to ask our musicians to come and give us a hymn of invitation. We've took a journey from Jonah when God's Word first came to him. He goes through the belly of the fish. Then God's Word comes to him a second time. 
Until we finally get the end and we see what Jonah's real problem was. Jonah's real problem was he had hatred in his heart. You see, he thought God was a respecter of persons. That God loved the Israelites, but he didn't care about the Ninevites. But he found out that God loved everybody. And God wanted everybody to come to a saving knowledge of His grace and His mercy. And you know, the, Jesus said, don't be a respecter of persons. You know, I look out and I see friends and people that I enjoy being around. But I'll confess to you, there's some folks I don't like. I don't think there's one here I'm looking to see. <laughs> and if you'll be honest, there's some folks you don't like. But guess what? God loves everybody the same. He loves those folks you don't like. And the folks I don't like just as much as he loves me. And I think about old Jonah. That was Jonah's problem. Jonah didn't think the Ninevites were worthy of God's grace. He didn't think they needed to be forgiven. He wanted judgment. That's what they needed. Where are you at? Where am I at? Are we willing to say, God, I'll go anywhere to anybody. I'll even go tell your love to people I don't like. I'll even go tell people that I really hope they get what's coming to them that you've provided a way of escape. They don't have to get what's coming to them. They can be forgiven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the story of Jonah. And Lord, we know that it speaks to us today in our hearts. Lord, we think that perhaps we are very close to you and very godly people, but then Lord, perhaps we look into our heart and we see that there's hatred and maybe respect the persons in our heart. And God, I pray that you would help us to love all people as you have called us to love all people, not with our eyes, but with your eyes. Help us when we look at a rude person, an obnoxious person, a person who is doing terrible things, that we see them not with our eyes, but we see them with your eyes. And God, we see them not with an eye of judgment, but God, we see them pointing them to the cross where all sins can be forgiven, where your grace is poured out freely upon all who will come in repentance. And God, if there is one here today that has never received Christ as Savior, I pray you would draw them and let your will be done in this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're here today, you want to come and pray, you need to make a public decision for the Lord. You just obey the Lord as we stand.